And so today what I wanted to do is take some time to share a message to fathers. And really, I want you to know what I want to do is to help fathers today be the fathers that we need. Oftentimes, on Father's Day, it seems like messages that are preached do nothing but beat up on fathers. And I can assure you that that is not what I want to do today. I, I may challenge here today some of you because you realize that there are things that you need to do to be a better father. But what I'm really seeking to do is highlight the value and the importance of fathers. In fact, I first want to state that fathers being the fathers we need is truly important to our society because study after study shows the positive effects of fathers. In fact, researchers found that the father-child contact was associated with better social, emotional, and academic functioning. The results indicated that children with more involved fathers experienced fewer behavior problems and scored higher on reading achievement. The presence of a father in a child's life decreases the likelihood of a child living in poverty. A father's presence also substantially decreases the likelihood of incarceration and decreases the likelihood of drug use. One study showed that father involvement in schools is associated with a higher likelihood of a student getting mostly A's. And this is true for fathers in a biological parent family or for stepfathers or for fathers heading single parent families. These findings in these studies are just a few reminders of the importance of fathers in our lives. Fathers are positive influences, and I'm telling you, they are desperately needed in our world. Some weeks ago, maybe some of you had the experience of watching American Idol. I was always an American Idol fan because I love music, and so I'd watch those. And a few weeks ago, Kelly Clarkson performed a moving rendition of her song entitled Piece by Piece, okay? If you saw that performance, maybe you were like me and cried along with her. I couldn't help but cry when I saw the rendition of that song. However, in an interview, the former American Idol star recently revealed that that song was inspired by her husband's constant love for their 20-month-old daughter, River Rose, compared to the lack of attention and care Clarkson received from her own father. Clarkson stated this. She said, I had my daughter, River, and even from holding her the first day, I was like, how could anyone walk away from that? Then I started thinking about my husband. He's such a great father. He's not an audience guy, but he helps change diapers. He stays up. And if I had had a late night, he'll wake up with her in the morning. We're definite partners, and I felt so lucky. I was talking to my sister on the phone about how sometimes girls with daddy issues don't find men like that. You find men who are all you knew, and I just felt so lucky. Maybe it's because I waited and worked through my 20s. It's a positive song, even though I know it sounds sad, okay? And if you've read that song or heard that song, you know it does sound sad. But her point was this, that she really in that song was seeking to speak positively about her husband and the father of her children when she sang the words that says, he never walks away, he never asks for money, he takes care of me, he loves me, piece by piece, he restored my faith that a man can be kind and a father could stay. You see, those obviously in that song, again, it's filled with the hurt from her own father, but she wanted it known in her interview that the song was written to highlight the positive of her husband. And today, what I would say in this message, above all, I want to highlight the positive things about father, though I know for some, it will be a challenge. See, fathers no doubt have a positive effect on the lives of their children, and fathers need to understand the important role that they play. 
And I know some here today, in fact, several here today, have had experiences that are bad with their fathers. Others today even struggle with being the father that you need to be. But what I want us to do in our time together is look at the things that make a godly father because that should be the goal of the men here today who have the privilege of calling someone his child. All right, so here's what I'm gonna do. We're gonna consider five characteristics of godly fathers that we find in the scriptures. And I don't believe this is necessarily an all-inclusive list. There are other things that I could add today, but I believe these five will be a good start for many fathers this morning. And the first thing I'm going to say this, if you want to be a godly father, a godly father leads, all right? Let, let, let me read a couple of scripture today that can, in fact, be very controversial in our day, but I need to share them today. 1 Corinthians eleven three says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Then Ephesians 5, through 24, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now here's what I know. And in our day and time, verses like these can be very controversial. In times where we seek to make everyone equal in every way, people do not like to hear verses that would indicate that one group of people might be considered as over another group of people. In this case, that men might be considered the head of the household. Now, I don't have time today to go into much detail about these verses, so let me make a couple of quick statements. It's this. This text, first of all, does not express women as inferior to men or that men have a right to dominate women or even to be a dictator in the home. However, what they do clearly indicate is this, that God has not only called but created men to be leaders in their home. God wants men to lead their families and to lead their families well. Of course, don't overlook the part that says the head of every man is Christ, which makes a huge difference because the key to understanding these texts is understanding first the leadership of Jesus Christ in one's life, including leadership in the family. This morning, though, what I want men to understand, hear me, men, is that God has called you to lead, okay? Home should not be a side note in your life. So often, men can get caught up in pursuing their jobs and their other interests that they forget that home is really their first priority. In fact, a man's wife and any children that he should be blessed with should always be their first consideration after the Lord, okay? A man can lead the home in many different ways, but a man has no right to be passive in what is going on in the life of his family. In fact, most specifically, I want to say this, a father is responsible for the moral direction of the house, okay? Catch that. A father is responsible for the moral direction of the house. Like I mentioned, the exact way that a, a father leads in the home can vary based upon strengths and weaknesses, likes and dislikes. You know, some fathers like to cook. Other fathers have no business anywhere near the kitchen, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some fathers are athletic. Other fathers are academic. The exact way that they approach things and do things might be different, but nonetheless, they need to lead. And the constant thing they should be leading the family to is positive moral values and a positive moral direction. In Joshua chapter 24, we see one of the greatest examples of a father leading that I know in Scripture. The book of Joshua really describes the Hebrew occupation of the promised land. 
They had been delivered from Egypt. They'd wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses, who led them out of Egypt, had died. And Joshua now, who took over for Moses, led them to inhabit the land and divide the land. Joshua was moving to the time of his death in his own life, and so he was challenging the people to stay true to God and not to turn to foreign gods. And so he made this famous statement in Joshua 24, 15. He says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods or the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve, what? The Lord, all right? And here's where Joshua really shows me what leadership in a home looks like. When a father stands up and says, as for me and as for my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, some hear me say a father leads and many things come to mind, some of those even negative. But when a father truly leads his home, a father leads his family to serve the Lord. This is important because I believe that when a family is serving the Lord, it's much easier to come together on things like finances or who does what around the house and what are we going to do as a family, et cetera, on down the list. In fact, power struggles in the home leave in many ways when a father leads the family to serve the Lord. It even reminds me how important it is for the father to lead the family spiritually. I know in my life, my father was not a very vocal man. He was here at church this morning in the first service. He was excited to see my dad here on Father's Day to come and to hear me preach. And I know my dad was never a very vocal man. He didn't say a lot of words, but this is what I know, that every Sunday, my father faithfully took us to church. And even as I see my father now getting older in life, I see some other things even becoming more important, like Bible study in his life. I could go to his house today, and I guarantee you, if I went to his recliner, next to his recliner, is going to be his Bible, and it's going to be his Bible study. Whatever he's doing, whether it's his Sunday school or whatever, it's going to be sitting there because I know he's going to be reading and he's going to be studying his lesson. And today I look at that and say, man, what a great challenge to me as a father to know that my father, even as he gets older, God's word has even become even more important to him in his life. And as I think about this father even leading, it reminds me even of this next point, that a godly father who leads is also a godly father who worships. You see, I, I don't know even what comes to mind when you hear the word worship, but for most of you, you begin to think in terms of what we're doing this morning. You, you may think in terms of coming to church and singing a few songs, listening to a sermon, giving an offering, and so forth. Uh, granted, I, I believe that should be a part of our worship, but that should not be the only part, or maybe it shouldn't even be the most important part of our worship. Before Joshua, of course, there was Moses, the one who no doubt influenced Joshua and taught him about serving the Lord. Moses walked closely with the Lord, and we read the words that he gave to the children of Israel before they went into the promised land. And this is what he told them in Deuteronomy 6. He says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. 
Now, verses four through six are probably the familiar verses to you. And maybe as you even hear those verses, you don't associate those verses with worship. But here's what I want to say to you, that worship should really be a lifestyle and not just an event. You see, worship shouldn't be something that we come to, okay? Worship is something that we do. As we gather this morning for what we call a worship service, you should worship while you are here. But I'm going to say this to you. You should have really been worshiping all week. Okay? You don't save your worship to Sunday. This morning is a time for worshipers to gather together and we draw strength from one another and we challenge each other to live for the Lord. But this should only be a part of the life of worship where all week long you have loved the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, especially today if you're a godly father. You see, a godly father truly worships daily so that his life is so in tune with God that his children cannot help but be affected in a positive way. In fact, if you go back to verse 2, notice what it said there. He says that you may fear the Lord your God and what? Your son and your son's son. See, hear me. A father who worshiped the Lord daily, all right, who loves the Lord with all his heart, who all his soul and with all his might has the greatest chance of having children who will also worship the Lord. And the key is worships daily because a child who just sees a father go to church on Sunday but then sees no evidence of a worship of the Lord throughout the week will grow up confused about what it means to worship and to follow the Lord. A father who worships the Lord daily helps prevent their children from growing up, segmenting their lives where there's the sacred and the secular and the two don't meet, okay? In a world where people feel like they can come to church and act one way and then leave church and act another, it's important to have fathers who worship God daily so that their children understand who you are at church should be who you are the rest of the week. You hear me? That's what he wants. We are called to lead in worship, all right? Call our family, leading our family to the worship of God. In fact, if I would consider some of the ways that a godly father worships daily, it means that he leads his family to pray over their meals and even is willing to lead that prayer himself, right? That he doesn't necessarily say, let's pray. Won't you pray? Because I don't want to pray. I ought to be that father who's willing to say, let's pray for a meal. And I'll tell you what, today, I'm going to lead us in this prayer. A father who, listen, is worshiping daily is a father who demonstrates a desire even when they come to church to worship the Lord and participate and not just be present. When you come to worship here on Sunday, does your child see you just sit back and do nothing or they they see you as an active participant in worship? They need to see that demonstrated. And then I'm going to say this, ultimately, a godly father worships daily by letting their actions and their decisions be driven by a desire above all to honor God. Your children should see you worshiping so much that every decision that is made is one that's made to honor and glorify God. You hear me? Now, with this daily worship, a godly father must also know that he teaches. I know this, in a way, is related to worship, but I feel I must state it separately because sometimes I believe we get this idea that as long as I live a certain way, I don't need to say anything to my kids. But I want godly fathers to know how important their teaching is to their child's life. In fact, if we go a little further in Deuteronomy 6, we read this. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. 
You see, what is clear from those verses is that as fathers, our lives should not only show a worship of the Lord, but must also teach a worship of the Lord. Now, I know this can be a challenge to fathers because men, we are not normally verbally verbal creatures. Study after study has shown that women talk more than men. I know that's a shock to you, all right? I know it is. Also, we men have this tendency to be very short in our explanations, very direct. We just want to give the minimum, right? Women want to give the maximum. Men want to give the minimum. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about, all right? And because of this tendency in our life, we have a tendency to be quiet when it comes to the teaching of our children. But here in Deuteronomy 6, there is the challenge to make sure that you are teaching the things of God to your children at all times. When you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, it says, in your house, and when you, when you, when you rise, all those things. And I'm reminded in this that there should be both formal and informal times of teaching. Formal times should include things like coming to church and getting your kids in a small group and life groups where they study God's word. But it can also include your formal times of family devotions and nighttime prayers where you say, we're going to pray together as a family. We're going to have devotions. But informal times are important too. It's like when you have a family meal and over that meal, you talk about the day. And in talking about the day, you instruct your children on the things of the Lord. Informal times can be when a child asks a question out of the blue. They love to do that, right? And in answering that question, all right, the most important thing that you do in answering that is instruct them of the ways of the Lord and also about the Lord. Informal times can be when a child makes a mistake and it provides an opportunity for you to teach or when something is seen on television. Informal times happen all the times. In fact, here's what I will say. Informal times can provide the best teaching moments because, hear me, those informal moments are not hypothetical, they are not theoretical, but they are practical and relevant because you're dealing with something that comes up in the moment. And in that moment, whatever that is, you're speaking the truth of God. And those moments can be some of the most powerful moments in their lives. You see, I, I would just say to fathers today, be teaching your children the things of God. And make sure as you're teaching your children, it includes helping them know an accurate view of God and also know the morals that God's word teaches and ultimately the way that we receive salvation. You see, don't just assume today that your children know these things because, hear me, the world is teaching them a view of God. Do you know that? And you know, many times the world is teaching them there is no God. So you better be careful about the view you're teaching them. I guarantee you that the world is teaching our children a morality. And many times the morality that the world is teaching is opposed to the things of God. And so if you're not teaching them the morals of God, the world's going to be teaching them something that you may not like. I'm hearing you today. The world is teaching them that there are many ways to salvation and many ways to heaven. And so if you're not teaching them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you are doing your children a disservice because the world is leading them a direction. Again, I'm here to tell you, the world will teach them if you don't. So my challenge to you as fathers, be those godly fathers who teach that we might raise children who truly loves the Lord. Now with this teaching though, I must add this that a godly father loves. Okay? If one is not careful, here's what can happen. Teaching can become ineffective if it is not motivated by and carried out with love. Too often, here's what we want to do. We want to demand that people, including our children, simply do what we say or believe what we tell them without first having a relationship with them established on love. 
A couple of verses remind me of the importance of love. One that is not specifically to fathers, but to everyone. It's found in 1 Corinthians 13 that says this, that if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Okay, I can assure you today that if you try to teach your children, but you first haven't established a relationship with them where they know that you love them, you will be nothing but noise to them. You will be nothing but a clanging cymbal or a gong in their life because they first need to know that you love them. What you say is not going to be important to them if they do not desire to listen to you. Then in Colossians 3.21, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Every time I read that verse, I guess I picture in my head a a demanding father who is seeking to have his children obey him at any cost. I I picture a father who's looking at his children and saying, do it because I said so and you don't need any other reason. That's what comes to mind when I read that. A child who's demanded to obey that way, folks, listen, can easily become discouraged. Do you hear me? I probably picture it being that way because the previous verses tell children to obey their parents, which parents want to say amen to, right? Children, you obey me, right, parents? You want to say amen, but some want to take advantage believing kids should simply do what they want them to do. And though I agree today that children are to obey their parents, parents need to know this. It's easier to obey someone they know loves them. We can even go back earlier when I discussed the call of fathers to be leaders, which means that wives are to submit. We should never forget that in Ephesians 5, the husbands are also told this. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You see, all of our family relationships start with love. And we shouldn't be surprised because if you read all of Ephesians 5, it reminds us that our relationship with God starts with love because Christ loved us enough to die for us. In fact, even in 1 John 3, 1, it says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are, all right? It is the fact that God loves us, hear me. It is the fact that God loves us that even gives us the right to be called his children. And these verses simply remind us that fathers, that a godly father loves, okay? And we need to make sure that we love our children. And let me say this to dads here today. Do not be afraid to tell your children you love them. In fact, say it to them multiple times every day. Even if your children are teenagers or adult children, you tell them that you love them. And even in the moment they act embarrassed, I'm going to tell you what, all right? Try it. Say it to your teenagers sometime in front of all their friends. (laughs) Do that. And even if the moment, in the moment they, they look and act embarrassed, I'm going to tell you what's going on inside of them. They are so thankful they'll have a father that says, I love you. Okay? So you need to tell them all the time. Maybe you grew up in a generation where fathers didn't say I love you or didn't give their children hugs. This is what I would say to you fathers. Break that cycle today and become a generation that says I love you. Be that generation that gives those hugs all the time because your children need to know that you love them above all. Okay. Now, of course, if you say I love you, you need actions that back it up because the words I love you will never replace actions that say I love you. But I'm here to tell you, your children need to know clearly that you love them. And if they know that you love them, they will be not more apt not only to listen to you, but they will also be less apt to want to disappoint you because they're going to not want to do those things that are going to make you sad or mad because they love you and in that relationship, they want to please you. So let them know that you love them because a godly father loves. Now, 
In case some of you hear that and say, oh, he's just being all soft and mushy, mushy, all that stuff. Let me remind you, part of love is Hebrews 12, 6. It says too, for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Part of a loving child or loving a child correctly is disciplining them correctly. And disciplining is training them. Don't read discipline and automatically hear spanking though because spanking is not necessarily discipline. Spanking is a form of punishment, not discipline. Y'all hear that? There's a difference. Discipline is about training them in the right actions. And loving a child means this. It means taking the time to help them know right and wrong and loving them enough that even in the moment, if their actions calls for consequences, letting them suffer the consequences so they will learn. It also means loving them enough that you will forgive them when necessary and help them learn how to recover from their mistakes. Because a loving father, hear me, never gives up and always seeks to restore a child he loves. You with me? Now, what I know this morning is I need to begin to wrap things up. I hear a grill calling me today so I can barbecue for my family on Father's Day. (laughs) Or my sons may do it. Who knows? Maybe they'll do it for me today. But I want to share this other thing because a godly father models. Okay? Now, before some of you try to be funny today, I'm not talking about modeling as in a fashion shoot. That's not what I'm talking about. That's different. I'm talking today about modeling the behavior that is desired. Listen to what verse 1 or verse 15 to 16 of 1 Corinthians 4 says. The apostle Paul writing these words says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be what? Of Be imitators of me. The apostle Paul was addressing believers whom he had led to Christ and said, you have many people who want to be your guide. They they want to try to teach you the ways of Christ. But then he looked back at them and said, but you only have one father. You only have one of those. He was saying to them, that's me. Now, in calling himself their fathers, in this case, their spiritual father, he was making the case this, that, listen, I am your spiritual father, so guess what? No one cares for you more than me. All right? Isn't that the way it should be with a father? Shake your head yes. That's the way it should be. I know it's not always that way, but the way it should be with the fathers, no one should care more for a child than the father, right? And so as their father, here's what Paul said. Paul said to them, and I love this, be imitators of me. In other words, here's what he was saying. He was saying, follow my example because I am modeling for you what it means to follow Christ. He was saying that as their father, he wanted the best for them. And because of that, he was going to demonstrate for them how to live so that they could follow his lead. Now, to me, that's a powerful statement. And it's also a good word for his fathers. In fact, it leads me to ask fathers this. Are you living a life that you would look at your children and say, imitate me? Would you? It's a good question because it challenges us to reflect on our lives and see if there's something that needs to change. You know, I believe that I've told you before that I've often looked at my own children and get frustrated because the things that I see in them that they do that frustrate me, I realize that they're acting just like me. Have I told you that? In fact, I told one of my boy's girlfriends not too long ago that I was sorry because of something that one of my sons had done, and it was something that is just like me, all right? 
thankfully, it wasn't anything too egregious. It wasn't anything too bad. But I felt a little sorry for his girlfriend, and so I apologized. I said, I'm sorry. He's just like me. All right? You know what I'm talking about? And fathers, no doubt, model for their children. And my prayer would be for fathers today that we would set an example that's worth following. If not, I pray that today is the day that you would change. And if you want to know, well, Brother Scott, how can I change? And how am I to be this father that is worth imitating? Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul a little further on in 1 Corinthians when he said this, all right? Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And here's what Paul recognized that his life was only worth imitating to the point that he imitated Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? His life was only worth imitating to the point that he imitated Jesus Christ. Paul looked at Jesus and saw a man who was willing to give up his life for us. And he knew that Jesus set the example, all right, that even for us, we need to love to the point that we'd be willing to die. That is why, in fact, he told husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He says the example of Christ is one who's willing to die, and we need to be willing to die for those that we love. Do you hear me? He looked at Jesus, and he saw the example of Jesus, and he saw a man who was willing to forgive those who mocked him and beat him and spoke evil against him. And Paul said, I need to be a man who forgives because that's an example worth following. He looked at Jesus and he saw a man who served others. Even though Jesus deserved himself to be served, Jesus Christ got down and was willing to serve his disciples, even to wash their dirty, stinky feet. And Paul looked at Jesus and said, there is an example worth following, this Jesus who serves. So I, in my own life, I need to be a man today who is willing to serve others. He looked at Jesus and he saw this man who, who loved. He loved everybody in his life. And he says, that's who I need to be. And I have no doubt today that, in fact, for the men here who want to be godly fathers, that if you will imitate Jesus, you will be the godly man who leads. Okay? Jesus truly led his disciples, did he not? And I have no doubt that if you imitate Jesus, you will worship God. Why? Because even as a child, Jesus was in his father's house worshiping, and he regularly pulled himself aside to pray and to seek his heavenly father in an act of worship. I have no doubt today that if you will imitate Jesus, you will teach because Jesus taught the crowds. He taught his disciples. He taught all the time. If you imitate Jesus, you will love because, as I said, Jesus loved all people. The woman caught in adultery, the Samaritan, the multitudes he fed, his disciples, he loved constantly. And even by what I just shared, he modeled all these things. He didn't just tell us what to do. Listen, he did them first. He showed us what to do. And so if this morning, if you will imitate Jesus, you will be modeling a life that is worth imitating. All right? So let me ask this morning, do some of you need to come to commit to being a godly father? Maybe some of you have heard the things I said and said, maybe I'm slacking in an area or two. There's, there's something that needs to change in my life. Well, here would be my prayer for you today, that you would come this morning to this altar and say, God, help me to be that godly father because that, that's who I want to be.
Or maybe some need to come this morning just thanking God that you had a godly father. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're a woman and you're the product of a godly father in your life. Maybe you need to come and say, God, thank you for that, that godly father that was in my life. Or maybe you're a man who had that example that you look up today and you can say, God, thank you for having a father in my life who set that great example. Why not take that time to come to the altar and say, God, thank you for the legacy that I have in my life. Or maybe some of you are just like Kelly Clarkson. You didn't have the greatest example of a father in your life, but maybe you married a godly man who's modeling what it means to be a godly father. Why not come and say, thank you, God, for this man that you sent in my life to be that godly husband for me and to be that godly father for my children. Or maybe you're here today and you're that person who didn't have that godly father in your life. And because of that, there's just a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. Why not even come to this altar today and thank God that he is that good, good father? Because here's what I know, that if you don't have an earthly father that you can turn to today, there is a heavenly father who will always love you. He will never let you down. He will always be there for you. And if today there's deep hurt, your heavenly father wants you to turn to him and to be healed because he loves you so desperately this morning. And so my prayer today would be all across this place, we would find men who's willing to stand up and say, I want to be a godly father. And we would have a place that's filled of people who can praise God and say, thank you for the Father that is in my life. Can we pray together? Father, as we come to you today, I, I, again, as I said earlier, Father, I wanna thank you for revealing yourself to us as that loving heavenly Father that we can come to, that we can know intimately, and that Father we can know will never let us down. And so even as we come to this invitation, Lord, my prayer would be that we would look to you above all. And maybe there are some, some men here today who would say that they've got some work to do to be the father that they need to be today. My prayer would be that they would just reach out to you, even come to this altar today, and Lord, committing to take those steps to be that godly father that you're calling them to be. That today they would come and say that they want to commit above all to imitating Jesus Christ. I, I pray, Lord, that we would have an altar filled with dads who would say, I want to be that godly father. My prayer is also today that all across this room, we would find people who are thankful for the fathers in their life because so many have had great fathers and yet we fail to say thank you for the love that they gave us and what they demonstrated to us, even the things they taught us about you. And so my prayer would be today that even we'd have a place filled of people who are saying thank you for the Father in their lives. Because God, I know above all, you do wanna be that heavenly Father. You want the best for us. And so even above all, if there's one here today that doesn't have a Father in their life, my prayer would be today that they could look up to you and be comforted by their heavenly Father and know indeed that you are always there. And so, Father, during this invitation, you speak to us, lead us, direct us. Whatever needs to happen, Father, I pray, will happen during this invitation time. Whether we need to be challenged, whether we need to be thankful, or whether we need to be comforted, I pray today we would find all of that in this moment this morning. And as I pray these things, I pray them in Jesus' name. Amen.